Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, my next guest is an expert in why we tend to find cute things irresistible. From the enlarged eyes of Disney characters to puppies, his new book is entitled Irresistible, How Cuteness Wired Our Brains and Conquered the World. Joshua Paul Dale joins me now. Joshua, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. And you? I'm very well. I, I have to say now, I'm very taken by the fact that I see you here described as a pioneer in the burgeoning field of cuteness studies. It's a burgeoning field? Well, I hope so. I'm trying my best to make it so. I think you're at the forefront of it, uh, Joshua, I think. And a claim for it that says that understanding the psychology of cuteness can help answer some of our biggest questions in evolutionary history and the mysterious origins of animal domestication. Big claims, Joshua. Uh, Yes, they are, but I think they're true. I think that cuteness mattered more to human evolution than was previously thought. Very good. So um, how do we define it then? What are the characteristics, would you say, of cuteness? Well, there's a thing called the child schema, which uh, Conrad Lawrence came up with in the 1940s. And it says that cute things tend to have the attributes of human babies, really, like large heads, high foreheads, large eyes, uh, wide faces, short arms and legs, kind of clumsy, wobbling gait things like that. And what is it about them that that makes it appeals to us really? It appeals to us because children need care, they need to be taken care of, but also they need to be socialized. Cute things appeal to us because this combination of features just gives us an emotion that makes us feel good. The feeling of awe Right. And that has kind of been, that's been baked into uh, babies, basically. Let's start with them. Um, Because they are defenceless. And if they have big, huge eyes looking up at us and little wobbly legs, what else are you going to do but look after them? Yes, exactly. And it was previously thought that that was the whole story, that babies are cute because they need to be taken care of. But I think there's something more going on. I think babies are cute because they need to be socialized. I mean, if you think about it, six-month-old baby is cuter than a six-day-old baby. And why would that be true if it was only about caretaking? But about six months, babies are more aware of the world around them. They can see others as independent agents. They're starting that process. They're ready to be brought into the human community. And that's when they hit peak cuteness. So um, the thing that keeps cropping up in this is is the kind of um, the importance of Japan in, in the whole thing. Why is cuteness such a big thing in Japan? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Cuteness has been part of the arts in Japan for a really long time, for about a thousand years. And it's hard to say exactly why it thrived here when it didn't so much in Western culture. I think perhaps uh, the Judeo-Christian religious tradition might have something to do with it. Here, uh, even religious feeling was more connected with a kind of playful spirit. And that really showed up in their arts, both literary and visual arts. I was very and, taken by the fact that they have some some uh, their long history of cuteness. There are two books which are very old. There's one called The Pillow Book from yes. a thousand years ago. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, the Pillow Book was written by Sei Shonagon, who was a court attendant to the Empress. And her job was really to entertain the Empress because at that time, the women of the court had to stay inside almost the entire time. It was boring. And uh, the author of The Pillow Book was just very, very good at uh, entertaining conversation. So she made a book called The Pillow Book. I think it's things that she wanted to use in the future to entertain her empress. That's a lot of what's in there. And one of the things that's in there is a list of adorable things. And these are things that we might find cute today, like uh, comical animals and uh, small children and things like that. 
I see she mentions pretty white chicks. Um, is she talking now about uh, day-old chickens or is that actually a reference to young girls or, or young ladies? <laughs> no, she is talking about day, she is talking about day-old chicks. <laughs> She's talking about a mismatch when young chicks have legs that look too long for their bodies. That's what's cute. There is then a 12th century uh, artwork, The Scroll of Frolicking Animals. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, The Scroll of Frolic Animals is a really famous artwork in Japan. Everybody knows about it. And it has, it's quite long, it's many meters long, and it has scenes of animals acting like humans. They're in sumo wrestling contests, they're in archery contests, they're dancing all done in inkbrush on paper, so it's like black and white, and they're amazingly expressive, even today. So Japan seems to be very inv- invested in, in cuteness from a long way. It seems very different from a Western perspective, though, doesn't it? Um, it it's Western, like back in the 18th century, portrayals of, of children, are, they're not cute, are they? Yeah, it was, wasn't until the 18th century when that started changing. Certainly in medieval paintings, the children look like small adults. And that changed once the Enlightenment came and once children were more strongly associated with innocence. And that's when the painting started to show them as cute. What what was driving that, do you think? What was it? High infant mortality rates, perhaps? Yeah, infant mortality rates were shockingly high back then. And so when rich families commissioned portraits that included their children, they tended to want to show that the family line would continue. And that's why the children looked more like adults than children. Right. A little bit later on, 18th century, we have uh, more importance of uh, more importance placed on education. Mortality rates are just starting to fall and people begin to think of childhood as a more innocent and wonderful time. And we start getting pictures of children who look innocent and cute. Um, you, you mentioned Shirley Temple in this. Where do you think she stands? Uh, I see one word which describes her as hideous. Uh, Shirley Temple was the most popular movie star of her time. I mean, really worldwide fame something that is hardly possible today. But it was only for a very limited time uh, when she was quite a young child. And as soon as she grew older, she stopped getting roles and she quit, act- she quit acting. And Shirley Temple was famous because at that time in the early 20th century, there was just a huge rise in the popularity of adults looking at childhood as a kind of nostalgic, innocent time. And she fit right into that. Um, I just wonder with all this, and we look at the, the success of the, the kind of K-bands as they're called, is there, a, is there a darker side to the whole thing? Well, there certainly there certainly is. I mean, for one thing, well, let's imagine you're in the workplace. It's not appropriate to call women cute in a workplace because it has associations with immaturity and uh, youthfulness. That's not really appropriate for a working environment. And when we think about animals, dogs and cats are being bred like boxer dogs being bred for very, very flat faces. It makes them look cuter, but it also gives them terrible health problems like breathing problems. So that is the dark side of cute. Right. I have to say, I instinctively always knew there was something bad going on there. So, um, Joshua, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure talking to you, uh, Joshua Paul Dale, their author of Irresistible, How Cuteness Wired Our Brains and Conquered the World. You're very welcome. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.